delighted to welcome you to the premiere of our Coptic Orphans podcast, which we're calling Cool Cops Doing Cool Things. I'm Nareen Riyadh, Coptic Orphans founder and executive director. And after over 32 years of serving the children of Egypt, I'm proud that we're taking the step into the 21st century and making a podcast. So in this podcast, which we aim to produce bi-weekly, I'll be talking with the most interesting and influential people that we know in Coptic and Egyptian circles. I'll also be bringing you up to speed on what Coptic Orphans is doing, and by God's grace, to, that ensures the fatherless children are cared for, loved, and educated to reach their greatest potential. So today, I'm happy to sit down with Mark Mitri whose influential thoughts on mental health reach many thousands of people daily. His dedicated work in the Coptic community and beyond reminds me of the services Coptic Orphans provides to protect the mental health of thousands of children in our care. So Mark, I'm fascinated by what you're doing to lift up the issue of mental health. Could you tell me a little bit more about your efforts? Yeah, absolutely. First off, Nermeen, I uh, I appreciate you. Congratulations on starting a podcast. I'm super excited for how this will unfold. And then also, you know, thank you for championing, you know, Coptic orphans. I remember hearing about Coptic orphans like since whenever, like since being a kid. And and so you guys are definitely the best kind of standard. And so I'm truly honored to be here. Um, you know, for me, when it comes to mental health, um, I'm very passionate about it because it's just something that I never heard growing up. It's something that was always sort of missing, was something that was always sort of invisible. And growing up as a result, you know, I faced some pretty, uh, you know, mental health issues. I always had social anxiety as a kid, but later on in my life that turned into depression, that turned into uh, being very physically unhealthy, that turned into even me being suicidal. And so for me and my efforts now, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm an author. I have a newsletter that reaches like tens of thousands of people a week. Um, I also advise different companies. I speak at schools. Uh, I really just do every single thing that I can. And, you know, for me, one day I, I hope to, um, you know, one day be some sort of a leader and help put a lot of different kinds of people together from like doctors to neuroscientists to social workers and and really try to create different communities all around America at first to, to really deal with this issue that, uh, if anything, has just gotten worse with COVID or has really highlighted it. And so, um, you know, I try my best every single day and I, and I appreciate you, what you do, and I, I can't wait to continue talking. Um, so, Nermeen, let's let's switch the, the the table. Let's switch the mic on you if you're ready. Sure. Let's do it. So, Nermeen, tell me about what Coptic Orphans is doing to protect the mental health of the children in your care on top of everything else that you guys are doing. Uh, Marka, it's uh, it's something that's extremely important, and um, and I'll tell you why. Um, we were looking up some statistics, and we found that, uh, according to the Ministry of Health, that 25% of the population of Egypt is found to be suffering from some kind of mental health-related problem. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's uh, unheard of um, in, in my respect. I wouldn't have imagined that. Uh, and that the majority of that, uh, 43%, is from anxiety disorder, 
while 30% of that is they're suffering from depression. Mm. So given that background, now look at the children that we are serving. So we're serving 12,000 children throughout all of Egypt who are living in poverty and who have lost a father. And the combination of those two, you can imagine the trauma that that, that they suffer. And so what we did is we started looking at specifically that. We partnered with a college in South Africa and we implemented an initiative called Walking with the Wounded Child. And this uh, program uh, allowed us to teach the volunteer reps to identify trauma and then to help the child walk him through by using a sandbox and little toys and little stick figures and such to be able to um, articulate some of the things that he's unable to do so by words, he can articulate through play. So Mm. that was kind of our first first phase. The second phase was about protection. Okay, so we need to protect our children from all kinds of abuse. And we focused on three, the physical abuse, emotional abuse, and sexual abuse. And what was lovely about that is, you know, um, well, the children loved it because now all of a sudden they're wondering, what happened to my mother? What did you guys do to my mother? She's not hitting me anymore. Thank God. <laughs> it's like, where are you taking all these mothers? Oh, we're, it's a workshop to teach them not to hit kids. Can I send my mother with you? <laughs> so, um, so of course, the children love that. Um, uh, and then emotional abuse is very difficult to explain to widowed mothers in the in the Saeed. It's a strange concept. Mm. But our, our training people do it in the most creative ways. Um, and, and, and then the mothers, they suddenly get it. Uh, and then of course, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, nobody talks about sexual abuse. Nobody talks about sexual education. So what we then discovered was, um, the need for healing and, mm-hmm. and for those that have been greatly affected, we provided counseling sessions. Um, um, the majority of the children that have to, that need these counseling sessions uh, have suffered sexual abuse and they have also suffered bullying, and and we're very happy to to announce that they are progressing really really well. Uh, thank wow. God uh, to kind of overcome this. Wow, wow, and I mean, thank you so much for for sharing that, and and it's great to see you know, you guys on the cutting edge and really just trying, you know, even though, you know, maybe considered taboo, even though I'm sure you may have had some opposition, it's really God's work. And and I can't wait to see how this is going to unfold in the future. Um, so, I mean, I'm curious, how has, uh, how has COVID kind of like affected this operation? How has it affected like the kids' mental health that you've seen, that you've heard, that you serve? You know, Mike, you're absolutely right. If anything that affected mental health, it's COVID. Uh, the stressors that it produced, the changing educational environment, the confusion, the lockdown, all of this really, really um, pushed the children to their limits. So what did we do? Um, 
very quickly we adapted our training to psychological resilience. It was all wow. about psychological resilience. So what are some things? How do you how do you teach children psychological resilience? Well, there's four things that we focused on, and I'll give you some yeah, examples of the mm-hmm. four topics. Um, one is self-regulation of thoughts and feelings. Uh, another one is mental agility. Another one is examining personal points of strength. And uh, another is taking stock of relationships. And so we had these four items that we drilled down further. And I'll give you an example of, you know, what the heck, how do you do uh, self-regulation of thoughts and feelings? Well, we tell the children, um, okay, think about a difficult situation that you were in. Um, What is in your control? You know, kind of start noting those down. And what is not in your control? Mm-hmm. And so the separation of what's in my control and what's not in my control kind of puts things in perspective. So we have this young, uh, um, a young student named Demiana. She finished, she was in her last year of high school, and she wanted desperately to apply for a scholarship to get into a better university. Mm-hmm. But her family was saying, you're not going to make it. It's not never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So and then her mobile phone broke and she really got into depression. Right. Hmm. So so she got in, you know, um, got into a dark place. But luckily, she called her volunteer rep and she complained. Hmm. So what did he do? He goes, you know what? Come, let's watch a movie together. And what movie did he uh, they watch was In Pursuit of Happiness or The Pursuit of Happiness of Will Hmm. Smith. Right? An American uh, movie. And when she saw that, right, uh, she's like, hmm, wait a minute. He goes, okay, now let's set together uh, what you're having control and what you don't have control over. She did that and realized, you know what? I'm going to go fix my phone. I'm going to go ahead and apply for the scholarship. And the rest is out of my control, right? <laughs> so, Mark, she did. And wow. guess what? she got the scholarship. Woo! <laughs> That's so amazing. That's so amazing. And I really love what you said about teaching them how to self-regulate. I think, man, I wish I learned that when I was younger, for sure. I think if you don't have that, a lot of the times that leads to so many issues from, you know, like addiction to food problems. And so I think if we can all learn that, that's that's huge. And I'm I'm so glad that you were able to kind of tie in like a very popular kind of cultural icon, a story and, and kind of put it in there. And I think doing things like that, it's it's so, so important. I think a lot of the times, obviously it depends what we're talking about, but I think a lot of the times mental health can seem like something so, uh, so like advanced or like so, uh, you know, intermediate. And of course there are, you know, experts and, and specifics, but even, you know, watching a movie uh, and, and sort of getting that load on having somebody to talk to who can help shift your mindset. That's that's so, so, so important. Um, so, I mean, you guys are already doing so much, but do you guys have any plans now or in the future to g- take a step further and deepen this work even more with your children? Yeah, you know, I think what we're realizing the next step is working with the widowed mothers, uh, their sense of yeah. loss and their a sense of abandonment. Well, you need a really, you do need a balanced and strong mother to be able to take care of you know, fatherless children. So I think we're going to focus uh, our efforts on that. 
Wow. That's huge. That's huge. I wish you the best of luck and anything I can do to help, feel free to reach Uh, out or anyone I can refer you to. Let me ask you uh, a question, Yan, before we wrap up. I'd like to hear from you if you have something that you can advise people that may be going through stressful times. Um, Maybe what helped you and what can help others who may be going through stress. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, in terms of this question, how I'll answer it is, you know, a lot of the times people who I've talked to have gone through anxiety, depression for like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, like not kids um, or they're young adults or they're adults. And a lot of the times, like when you think the same way or when you do the same thing to cope, uh, maybe it's not the best for you. A lot of the times your, your brain gets wired in that way. And it gets to a point where like, even if you know you should be doing something different, even if you know you should change your behavior, even if you know you change your lifestyle, you still don't do it. And so for me, I think one of the biggest uh, pieces of advice that when I learned it, it completely changed my perspective on mental health was realizing that like, if you don't give your brain the raw resources that it needs to grow new brain cells, then you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. And so for me, like I look at the, the neuroscience of like what, what gives your brain the foundation to work well. And it's a complicated topic, but generally speaking, there's like four areas. Number one is your brain needs sunlight. Our bodies need sunlight to synthesize vitamin D, which is very, very important. I know for me, as someone, you know, as a kid who played so many video games and stayed inside, I barely got any of that. Um, number two is exercise. Number three is your diet. And I think diet is probably the biggest one. And so I know for a lot of people, like they, they try to read books, they try to watch movies, they are trying to do these new habits. A lot of the times, like if you don't give your brain the raw resource of in this situation, like healthy food, it can't grow new brain cells or it can't grow them as well. And so for me, focusing on like the physical side of mental health, which a lot of people don't really you know, can't connect the dots on, that's that's huge. And, and a lot of the, uh, you know, leading science around this is called nutritional psychiatry because it actually works pretty fast and gives people great results. So what I would say is focus on the biochemistry of the physical part of your brain. And you do that through diet, exercise, sunlight. And then lastly, like different forms of therapy and engaging in like loving conversations with either your best friend or your family, those have all been shown to really help your brain. So that's what I would say. Well, Mark, uh, well, it's been a real pleasure to have you on Cool Cops. You're you're a super cool cop here, Mark, <laughs> I just wanna say that. And I'm really excited about all the wonderful things that you're doing for the people who follow your show. So uh, I can't wait to bring you to Egypt uh, yes. and to meet the children. I think that would be even, uh, even more cool. So, uh, Any last thoughts to our listeners about uh, protecting themselves or anything that you'd like to say to the audience? Yeah, you know, what I would say is like right now we're in such a difficult moment in time in human history. And what I would say is just try to like imagine how you're going to be thinking like 10 years from now. Like imagine thinking like, wow, I lived through a global pandemic or I lived through, you know, X, Y and Z issues that people are facing right now. And I stood up despite it, you know, despite the problem, I chose a better solution. Was it easy? No. Was it very difficult? Oh yeah, for sure. 
But I think if you can have that and almost have like no regrets, that's the best thing that you can do, even if you're facing a lot of resistance around you. That's beautiful, Mark. Um, So I hope everyone takes away some of the wisdom that you've shared with us today. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for your love and prayers and support, uh, both for your own families and also for the amazing children of Egypt. On behalf of Coptic Orphans team, thank you for listening. This is Nermeen Rayad, and I look forward to seeing you on the next edition of Cool Cops Doing Cool Things. Thank you. Thank you.